the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Jewish people still celebrate this. This is their biggest feast, their biggest religious celebration. This is the final Passover that Jesus shares with his disciples before his crucifixion and resurrection. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus said to his disciples on this night, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Eagerly desired to share this Passover in particular with his disciples. In today's message, Pastor Dan will examine the account of Jesus' washing of his disciples' feet and the prediction of his betrayal at the hands of Judas. All this happened in the context of the Jewish Passover celebration. This was a deeply symbolic ritual centered around the sacrifice of an innocent lamb to save the Jewish people from death. It was just the right time for the perfect Lamb of God to carry out His plan to offer Himself up as a final sacrifice, extending salvation to all of humanity. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 13 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, is where we left off last week. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going to God, he rose from supper and he laid aside his garments and he took a towel and he girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he, had, he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not, do not wash you, You have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Well, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed 
needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Well, chapters uh, 13 to the beginning part of 18 cover the last night of Jesus's life before he is arrested and taken away to be crucified. So chapters 13 to 18, we're, we're, we're talking about just one night, his last night of his life before he goes to the cross. Uh, chapter 13 also begins what, what is commonly referred to as the upper room discourse, uh, because it's, a, it's one of Jesus' longest teachings in the Gospels. It's a teaching that he gave in the upper room as he is sharing the Passover meal with his disciples the night of his uh, arrest. Uh, at this point, his public ministry has ended. He, he's focused on his final hours with his disciples Again, this, is, this takes place during what we would call the Last Supper. And it, it's really a traditional Jewish Passover Seder, or a Passover meal that Jewish people have celebrated from their time in Egypt, their last night in Egypt, all the way up to the present day. Jewish people still celebrate this. This is their biggest feast, their biggest religious celebration. And this is the final Passover that Jesus shares with his disciples before his crucifixion and resurrection. In Luke's gospel, Jesus said to his disciples on this night, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He eagerly desired to share this Passover in particular with his disciples. Again, if you look at verse 1, it says, Before the feast of Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart, notice, from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, the other Gospels tell us that Jesus sent a couple of his disciples into Jerusalem to prepare for the Passover meal. Jesus already had a a location selected where they would have the meal. Uh, And the disciples were to go and prepare for the Passover. And the writers of the Gospels, uh, you know, they they assume that that we know what that means, that they go to prepare the Passover. And we don't really know what that means, most of us. Uh, So I'm going to tell you what that means. They would go into Jerusalem. They would go to the temple. uh, They would purchase a lamb, a Passover lamb for sacrifice. They would take it into the temple to the priest The priest would sacrifice it. He would catch the blood in a basin. Uh, He would pour the blood out on the altar. Uh, And then the priest would would, uh, clean the lamb, dress the lamb, 
and prepare the lamb for roasting over a fire. Uh, which is all, it's all according to the law of Moses. In the book of Exodus, there's instruction there on how the Passover meal was to be celebrated. And then the person offering the lamb would then take the, the lamb carcass that has been prepared for roasting. They would take it uh, maybe to their home to roast it in a pit, or they actually had pits that they dug around the city, outside the city, where people could take their, their lamb and roast it there uh, in a pit. The way that they would prepare it for roasting, and this part's important and significant, uh, is the priest would take a long, straight pomegranate branch and would run it through the lamb's mouth and out the lamb's tail and impale it, and then take a second, this is after it's been sacrificed. I see some of you kind of wincing a little bit. It's already been sacrificed and cleaned. And so he runs it down through the mouth and out the tail. He takes a second pomegranate branch and would run it through the shoulder of the lamb and then take the front legs of the lamb and tie them back on that horizontal branch. And so essentially they would crucify the lamb. And that's how they would prepare it for roasting. So try to, try to get that visual in your mind of 250,000 people in the city of Jerusalem the night of the Passover meal walking through the streets and they've got crucified lambs. And on this particular night, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is going to be arrested and the next day he's going to be sacrificed on a cross. It's just, it's just an amazing visual that you have there taking place while the Lamb of God is offering Himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Now notice again in verse 1, we're told that Jesus knew that His hour had come that He should depart from this world to the Father. Notice it says this world. It doesn't say the world, that He would depart from the world, but this world. It, we don't typically talk that way. Because we only know this world. We don't talk of departing this world. But Jesus, he came from another place, right? He came from another world, so to speak. He came from heaven to this world for a very specific purpose. To die on the cross for our sins and to give himself as a sacrifice. To pay the penalty that we owed so that we could be reconciled to God and so that we could have an ever, everlasting life with Him and with the Father. And once He accomplished the work He came to do, He departed from this world and He went back to His world. He went back to heaven. And notice here, it doesn't describe heaven as heaven. It describes it as going back to the Father. He went from this world to the Father. That's what He longed for, was to be reunited with the Father. And for us... Heaven is going to be heaven because God's there. You know, heaven's going to have all these glorious things that we're going to see and experience. But what makes heaven heaven is that God is there. And that will be reunited, will be united, I should say, with the Father, with Jesus Christ. We're told also in the Bible that after Jesus returned to the Father and to, the, and to heaven, that he's now seated at the right hand of the Father where He lives to make intercession for us. He prays for us. He's still ministering to us constantly. Notice also in verse 1, it says that He 
having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He, he loved his own. He loves his own. He loves those who belong to him. And he loves them to the end. And when it says he loves them to the end, it's not talking about a period of time. It's not talking about to the end of time. Although that, that's true. He does love us eternally. But that's not what it's talking about here when it says he loves them to the end. This phrase to the end, it means to the limit or to the to the maximum, to the farthest extent. He loves us. And what does that mean that he loves us to the farthest extent? Well, over in chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. He loved us to the farthest extent. He laid his life down for us. There's no greater demonstration of love than dying for someone else to save their life. So he showed the extent of his love, the maximum love, died for us. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Verse 2 says, And supper being ended, so this is the Passover Seder. This is when he takes the bread and the cup, just as we celebrated communion today. And this is when he institutes the, the new covenant in his blood. But now the supper has ended. The devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And remember, Judas goes to the priests. He went to the priests already and said, what will you give me if I betray him to you? And they, they deliberated about it. And they came back and they said, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. And Judas said, okay, you got a deal. 30 pieces of silver is the price you would pay if you accidentally killed somebody's slave. It's the price of a dead slave. And in Zechariah chapter 14, Uh, There, Zechariah is offered 30 pieces of silver as an insult. Uh, It's a way of saying, you're you're no more valuable than a dead slave to me. And so when they offer 30 pieces of silver for Jesus Christ, it's an insult. They're saying he's no more valuable than a dead slave. That's what we're willing to pay for. That's how much we'll pay. That's the the value we place on him. It's, it's, It's an insulting it's intended to be an insulting price. And so uh, Judas, you know, the devil has already uh, put it into his heart to, to betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin And he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. It says that Jesus came from God and he was going to God. That means he's eternal. 
He's divine. He's God. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him all things, all things into his hand. That means that Jesus had all authority, all power. It was given to him, and he knew it. He knew that he had all authority. He knew that he had all power from the Father. Uh, Back in John chapter 3, verse 35, Jesus said, All things have been given into my hands. Uh, In John chapter 5, verse 22, it says that all judgment was given to Jesus. In John chapter 17, verse 2, it says that Jesus has all power over all flesh. So he, he has all power. He has all authority. He knows it. He knows he has all the power. He knows he has all authority. Jesus is literally the most powerful person in all of the universe. In the Bible, he's called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's God incarnate. We're told that at the name of Jesus, every knee one day will bow to him. And every tongue will confess him as Lord. So understand, listen to what it's saying and catch the flow of the way this is written. Jesus has all power, all authority. He knows he has all power. He knows he has all authority. And what does Jesus do with that power? He washes feet. He washes feet. He washes his disciples' feet. Now, understand in Jewish culture, because that's the context here. It's a Jewish context. Not even slaves were required to wash feet. Not even slaves were required to wash feet. In Jewish culture. In Roman culture, yes. Jewish culture, these are Jewish people. A slave was not required to wash even his master's feet. Washing feet was beneath a slave's work. And here we see Jesus, the all-powerful one, the one with all authority, washing feet. Washing feet. A job that was beneath the slave to do. Now you 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 live in the world, right? <laughs> right? You go outside of this building and you're out in the world and in the world a person with power, a person with authority and they know they have power, they know they have position, they don't do jobs that are beneath them. In fact, a person with power and authority in the world who knows they have a por- power and authority, they have position they ensure that they will not have to do jobs that are beneath them, right? They hire people to do those jobs. They use their power and their position to make sure they don't ever have to do jobs that they think they're, they're above, right? My, my very first job out of college, I worked for this, uh, this hotel corporation. It was a company that owned about 15 hotels. It was started by a man... Uh, who, who really uh, became kind of legendary in the hotel business. Uh, and I remember when I first started working there, uh, he told his story of how he started out. And he started out as a night auditor. Now, for those of you that don't know, a night auditor is like the worst job in a hotel uh, to have, especially back in his day, because you did all the night auditing yourself with an adding machine and paper, now it's all computerized and it's easy. But back then, a night auditor, they worked from 11 p.m. to a 7 a.m. shift. That's their shift, the graveyard shift. 
They're usually the only person in the building. There's usually no other employees in the hotel. So this night otter is usually there by themselves. And back in the day, you came in at 11 and you immediately got to work because you had to do all of the accounting for the day by hand with an adding machine. And you had these blue sheets and green sheets that you would have to fill in and do all of these calculations. And you needed to be finished by 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning when people started to wake up and the new business day starts. And there are many times for a night auditor back in the day when they had to do all the work themselves where they're cranking it till 6 o'clock and they're not done and things didn't add up correctly. You've got to go back and do it all over again. It's a, it's a hard, unenjoyable job to have. This guy, he started out as a night auditor. And he said, I remember him saying this, once I became a general manager, I trained everybody to be a night auditor so that I would never, ever have to do night auditing again. He used his position to ensure that he would never have to do a job that he saw as beneath him. That's how the world is, right? Even a person who doesn't have authority, really, or a person who doesn't have power, really, they still won't do a job that's beneath them. And you, you've experienced that. You've had co-workers who've said, I'm not doing that job. They didn't hire me to do that. It's not my job. They don't even have power or authority or position, but they're not willing to do something that they view as, as beneath them, but not Jesus. How different is Jesus? He has all power. He has all authority. He's got the position above all positions. If there is ever anyone who could say, I'm not doing that. That's beneath me. It's Jesus. But Jesus, with all this power and all this authority, and the position, he washes feet. He does a job that is even beneath a slave that no one is willing to do. Now, just to give you some, you know, more to the story here, Luke's gospel in Luke 22, it tells us that as the disciples are sitting around this dinner table, they're having a discussion. And their discussion is, Who among them is the greatest? They're arguing. Which one of them should be called the greatest? And as they're having that discussion, the greatest gets up and he begins to wash their feet. Isn't that remarkable? Isn't that remarkable to think about? Now, turn with me over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think this way about you, about yourself, the same way that Jesus thought about himself. Verse 6, Who being in the form of God, he is God, he was God, he is God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2 tells us Jesus is God, but he didn't hold on to that position. He, he didn't hold on to his authority as God. He, he emptied himself. He made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He became a man. He even became a bondservant, a slave. And it says we should think the same way about ourselves. 
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan as he continued his verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of 1 John. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you never miss an edition of this program. Every time we post something new, you'll be notified. We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has impacted your life. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you, too. And if God's doing something wonderful, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so... You're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. One more time, that's calvaryec.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Tune in next time to learn more from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dan right here on Ring of Truth.